Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled Hog and Hounds, recorded on April 30th, 2023, at Revive Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Today we're going to be looking at some scripture in Matthew, once again, uh, chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. I really like these groups of scripture because they're ones that we quote, but not usually in context. A lot of these verses are taken kind of as little snippets of the Bible, And I want to show you how today reading these verses all in context of this family paragraph really helps us to have a better understanding, one, of each individual verse, and also of the overall meaning that um, is trying to be captured here. So the first one we're going to look at is actually the second most quoted verse of the Bible behind John 3.16. And this is in Matthew 7.1. Judge not that you not be judged. Most people will say, don't judge me. The Bible says you're not supposed to judge me. But in actuality, if we take this verse in context of other verses that talk about judging in the Bible, we're going to see that that uh, definition that a lot of people draw of don't judge me is actually incorrect. What it means is that we are not to judge in this way. In other scriptures, like John 7:24, it tells us, "Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment." And in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16, it says, "These are the things that you shall do: speak the truth to one another, and render in your gates judgments that are true, and make for peace." And what we're going to see here in Matthew is the kind of judgment that's being told out here is not one that makes peace. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 2, he says, With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Basically, he's saying it, what you give is what you'll get. And so be careful. Now, I want to also jump down to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, because we're going to see that there's a parallel um, meaning of this very second verse here. And that verse says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And we see this is also one of those you get what you give kind of a meanings. He's really trying to clarify here, that when you pass judgment on someone, don't do it from a place of pride. Don't do it from a place that's unfair or hostile. You really want to make sure that when you are judging someone else, that you are doing it in, from, from a right heart and from the right place. Because the repercussions of that is that whatever measure you use to judge someone, you will also be that will also come back to be used as the measure upon yourself. And so if you want something graceful to return to you, then you need to make sure that you are measuring and you are providing grace to other people. He's saying don't have a hardened, crunchy, judgy heart, 
um, that causes us to be hypocritical. And in verse 3, he kind of expounds upon what happens if we go around with this kind of a hard, judgy heart. Um, He says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, just a little bit of context on on the audience of this sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount. the, The original audience was basically Jesus, his apostles, and his disciples. And that was probably a group anywhere from about 70 to 100 people. To me, I always look at this this little bit of scripture. When Jesus was still in heaven, he kept watching his followers go, man, they almost got it. They just need to be tweaked. They just need to have a little bit of clarification on what it means to do X, Y, and Z. We see all throughout the Bible, even when Paul wrote letters to the different churches that he had ministered to, he's always writing letters to say, okay, guys, here's what I really meant by that. I need to bring some clarification. I need to bring some correction. And so the Sermon on the Mount is really meant for believers. But we also know that in attendance there were the multitudes because you can't have a gathering of 70 to 100 people without creating a little bit of interest. And so all of those from around, they, they gathered as well. As he's talking about them, look at the terminology he's using. He says, how can you say to your brother, someone that's close to you, someone with whom you should care and love, and you should be interacting with them in that way. But when you have this hard and crunchy, judgy heart, you're, the only thing that you're showing is that you're proud, you're arrogant, and you do not have your brother's interest in mind. He gives them the, the, the recipe, the resolution on how to fix that. He says the first thing that you need to do is you need to Take that, that log that's in your own eye. You're so quick to judge and you're so quick to point out a fault in somebody else. Why don't you first look at your own sinful nature and take an account of the things within your own heart, within your own life that have gone off the rails? It will allow you to get back in touch with the fact that, you know what, you are a sinner saved by grace. And you need to walk out that repentance once again, realizing that you are the same recipient as the people that you're trying to correct. It changes the entire approach so that, one, you are humble. You are put back in that place of humility. And then you have that sense of gratitude that, man, I have been forgiven a lot. And I need to help other people receive access to that same level of forgiveness. And your approach is going to completely change instead of now going and, and accusing them and, and passing judgment upon them with grace and humility. You're going to, you're going to go to your brother or your sister and you're going to correct them in a heart and in a spirit of love. All of these scriptures working in, in conjunction. So we see it's not just about not judging. It's not just about accusing your brother and then looking at yourself. All of these are working in conjunction.
As we see our sin, it humbles us and it gives us grace to then help others from that heart of love. The third thing that we need to look at, and this is actually the scripture that drew me to this specific message today. It's in verse 6 and it says, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I've actually entitled this week's sermon, Hounds and Hogs. But let's kind of look at the context of this specific verse here. In Bible days, not many people had dogs as pets. Dogs and pigs would basically run around wild and hungry. And so if you saw a dog in the street, it was going to try to take an opportunity and steal food from you and run away. That dog was feral. You probably didn't want to go about petting it. One, for the things, maybe diseases that it carried. And number two, it might bite your hands. If you've ever been in the wilderness, you might have come across javelina, which is a wild pig. And a wild pig is usually also a hungry pig. And these wild hogs have tusks that are very sharp. You do not want to go near one of these things. The other example here is he goes, you're not going to take something precious like pearls and give it and throw it at a pig like he wants to eat it. Because what's going to happen is the pig's going to smell that pearl, realize it's not food. He's going to stomp on it and he's going to turn and he's going to charge you in anger because you're not giving him food. And actually, you just ticked him off. And so that's that whole analogy. We need to do two things when it comes to sharing the message of the gospel with others. The two things to know. The first thing is you need to know how valuable this message of the gospel is and how powerful it is and how persuasive it is. You want to be selective and you want to be careful and you want to be discerning on the audience to which you shared and to which you give it. And the other thing to know is know your audience. If someone is outright retaliating against the scripture and they revile Christians and they revile the word of God, that is probably not your selective audience. That is where we enter into that sense of discernment. Now, the whole kind of reason why I selected this scripture is because I have shared my faith with family and with friends, and I have been met with different degrees of resistance. And I wouldn't say that any of them have been mean, because I've been, I've tried to be sensitive. I've tried not to nag. I've tried to kind of sense where they're at, like, okay, this is not a good opportunity for me to, to share with them. I try to really wait for God to open up those doors. If we look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 12, we're going to see some instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples as he sent them out to preach and to minister. He says this, And whatsoever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. 
So basically what he is saying here is there is a way in which I want you to use discernment even as you're preparing to minister and to share the gospel. And he says, when you go into that town or village, find out who's worthy. Now, this word worthy is not an evaluation of the value of a person, but what it really is discerning is the degree of receptivity that that person has. If they're open, if they're welcoming, then he says, bless them with your peace. And what an interesting word that is. He says, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Now, this is the piece that is spoken of in John 14, 27, where Jesus is telling his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be fearful. Christ is saying, you know what, I'm going to give you something that is a blessing to your spirit, and that spiritual blessing will transition and affect your soul. It will even affect your physical being. Because when you encounter troubles, when you encounter tribulations, and you will, you will have my peace, which will overcome these things if you will allow it, if you will let it. And what's so amazing about this level of peace is it's transferable, as we're seeing in this scripture here. Um, unlike when you buy a concert ticket or an airline ticket, it's non-transferable. You can't give it to somebody else for them to enjoy or to use. It's strictly for your benefit. But no, Jesus says, if you deem this person, this household, this town, this village worthy, then let your peace come upon it. Wow, we have that ability when we are around our environments, our workplace, our homes, people that we spend time with. We have the ability to allow the peace of God to be transferred from us to them. And it is an amazing thing. And here's the other side of it. He says, but if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And that's very interesting that he, he doesn't say, well, if, if they're not worthy and they're not open, then curse them. He doesn't say that. He says, just have nothing more to do with them. Just take that which is precious that you now understand the value of and just take it back. And then he says, and when you leave, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. And what he means by that is just don't take anything of that non-receptive resistance with you. And that means attitudes and heart conditions. He says, you came into town with a soft, gentle, gracious heart. Now leave with that same sense of peace and joy. Don't allow any of those negative things to travel with you. And really, this allows us to see these first six verses in full context, because he's really talking about the heart condition. Don't judge someone with a hard heart. It's going to create a hypocrite out of you. You're going to be accusing people when you have no leg to stand on. It's not going to allow you to rightly discern the audience that you should even be providing this incredibly precious message to. Now, here's the other side of it, and this is where this scripture really spoke to me. 
how do we respond to resistance? If people are resistant to us, do we wait until they revolt, until they tell us, I don't want to talk about it, until they, you know, that's where we have to, to really listen to the Holy Spirit. That's where we really have to be in tune with what God would be telling us to do. Because there are times when God will just say, let it go. You've said enough, and we then need to trust that there is power in the gospel message. And that gospel message will have sown the seeds if, if you've been obedient to share and to minister that grace and that love to that person, and there's still no response. There may be that time where God just says, just let it go. Just let it go. It's fine. It's in my hands because their response was never our responsibility at any point in time. This is where we get into the to this last little section of scripture here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. This is another one of those scriptures that is easily taken out of context. We go, man, if you need something, you just ask. And you be determined and you seek and you knock. And God, he's bound by the promise of his word to give you those things. But what happens when we ask and we seek and we knock and those things don't come to pass? We get angry at God and say, you promised God. You said you were going to be doing these. But once again... This whole Sermon on the Mount is Christ clarifying what this means. Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, where he says, You do not have because you do not ask. And we say, but I have been asking, and I haven't received. In verse 3, he says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You see, if we're just asking God for things that are completely self-serving, that are only about what we want, about what we think we need, and we never inquire of God, what is your purpose, what is your design, what is your intent for my life, how do you want me to function within your plan, then we're just off on some tangent that we think is God's will, that we think is God's path, And a lot of times what we're asking God to do is we're asking God to bless our mess instead of seeking God's best so that we can walk in that blessing. And that's exactly what he's telling us to do here in Matthew 7. 7 he says, ask and seek and knock and demonstrate and exercise this persistence and this determination. And then he goes on to say, he gives these a couple of examples He says, of which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a servant? He says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So this even ties right back into that first Matthew 7, 1, where he's saying, you know what, there are times... When we are trying to do things, we're trying to judge, but we're not judging rightly. There are times that we are asked, and we are asking the wrong way, or for the wrong things. 
Our motivations are self-serving. Our motivations are coming out of that sinful nature, which is so easy for us to just fall back on as the default mode of operation. And so that's why we need to inquire of God and say, God, who do you want me to share this message with? And what are the things in my own heart that I need to deal with so that I am a ready vessel, not only willing, but ready and purified so that whatever you pour into me, I can pour out. And it's not going to taste like dirt or, or something corrupt. I'm a clean vessel because you have sanctified me for you to use in whatever place and whatever manner you want because my heart is humble before you. I understand with a heart of gratitude and I'm willing to give and to seek to serve others in grace and mercy to provide truth in love and not just getting up there and beating somebody over the head with some life lesson. Maybe they're not in a place where they're ready to receive that. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives or situations, and we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to assume that we know all of the details when a single word could be spoken and it could completely devastate that person because of what their day has beheld. Sometimes... The enemy will use our own lack of seeking and asking and knocking simply to just say, God, help me to help me to go about this in the right way. Help me to be discerning about the things that I say and the things that I do. Help me to know my audience better so that I can serve them in the most effective way that I can. As we conclude today, we simply need to pray to God to capture the burdens that he has for others so that those burdens become heart desires that we simply just walk in obedience as we pray for those around us. Then we will reflect his heart when we act and when we speak. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to simply learn more about your will and how it is that we are to walk that out as worthy vessels, Father God, that um, understand the fullness of the grace that we have received so that we can help other people also receive that same grace. And Lord, I do lift up those people that you have placed upon our hearts that would receive salvation. Help us to navigate our lives and our conversations so that we intersect with those people that you have created for us to be tools and resources in their lives to make uh, just existence-changing situations for them, Father God, as they come to know you. And we lift these things up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com. To see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content, please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening. And may God's blessings be yours in abundance.